Welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Effie Kanua, Director of PR and Comms at Hearst UK. Effie has a wealth of PR and communication experience, having worked at some of the world's leading agencies, including Shine, Weber Shandwick, Splendid Communications, and MNC Saatchi on accounts for global brands in all sectors, from drinks to tech, including Diageo and Samsung. Effie, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So today we're really talking about luxury and um, all things luxury, hopefully. But firstly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where have you come from to get to where you are at Hearst and what do you do there? Sure. Um, So I actually started off as a journalist at the BBC many years ago. Um, And I sort of... um, I, I was at the BBC for a long time, actually. I worked in television um, and then I moved into radio um, and I worked on things like the Commonwealth Games, um, BBC uh, Radio One Extra, so doing news, sports, um, a whole host of things. Um, uh, and I also worked in news and current affairs. So um, I actually came from a journalistic background and I hadn't actually planned to go into PR um, and I I just kind of really landed there because um, it was actually a role that I had gone for to be a political reporter for the BBC in Northern Ireland. I'd gone through the whole audition process, was really proud of myself because I think there'd been like 3,000 people going for this job, got the job and then the role was pulled Um, and that was I guess a bit of a sort of turning point for me. Um, and I ended up actually working for um, an ethical uh, PR agency based in Manchester, which was where I'd been based. Um, and, and that really was my first sort of foray into uh, PR. Um, and I loved it. And, I, you know, I think there is um, a synergy between being a journalist and working in comms and having to tell stories um so it it kind of wasn't really too much of a shift and I guess throughout the years um I you know as you mentioned I've worked a whole host of amazing agencies pretty much across every single sector from luxury to beauty to tech uh, to FMCG um, you know the whole spectrum um, which has been great because I think it's given me that sort of broad experience and knowledge and transferable skills that that you can sort of bring to any role Um, and I was previously actually comms director at Bauer Media so first on their radio division and then I moved across to their um, their magazine division And I guess that really leads me up to sort of present day, um, where I'm currently the Director of PR and Communications at Hearst UK, which for anyone who doesn't know, um, we're the leading um, luxury premium content producer of amazing brands, sort of really trusted iconic brands such as Good Housekeeping, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, uh, Cosmopolitan, Men's Health, Women's Health, Digital Spy, Red, 
you know, a whole host of amazing um, trusted brands. And, you know, it, it's been an amazing journey. I've been there just over two years. Um, and essentially my role and my team's role, and, and I have a really amazing team here at Hearst, we cover the whole spectrum. I know I know for, for some other comms directors, it's sometimes slightly more niche, but for us, we look after corporate. So the corporate reputation of Hearst UK, um, also looking after our European markets as well. Um, so we have offices in Italy, Spain and the Netherlands. So we work very closely with them. Um, we also look after consumer across our amazing brands. We've got 24 brands that we look after. Um, internal comms, which has really come to the forefront during, especially sort of during this past year. Um, also the event side of our business as well. So um, really, it's quite a broad role, but, um, you know, a really interesting role that gives us the chance to add sort of value across the whole spectrum of our business. I mean, if you think about where you came from and the past five years of, of your role as a PR comms um, specialist, you've seen obvious changes in the way we communicate, how we communicate. What are the most obvious or um, impactful changes you've seen? I'd say the biggest change has been this year in terms of, of what my role, my, my team's role has been. And um, speaking to lots of people who work in comms um, across the whole spectrum, whether it's financial services or FMCG or agency side, there's been a massive shift this year. So I think this year's had the biggest impact. I mean, I would say over the past few years, um, I think comms really has I wouldn't say changed, I'd say it's evolved. So um, greater use of technology and data to inform decisions. A lot of what we do as a comms team is really looking to the business's needs and using information and data and insights to inform our strategy. And I think, you know, that's kind of been key for for any brand to do. You, You know, you really have to move with the times. And one of the sort of really clear things that we have um, made sure that we demonstrate for the business is being able to um, share metrics to so to give an insight into um, I guess sometimes what is quite a challenging task to do with earned media so to show the value of what we do and to measure it and to benchmark ourselves that we know what we're aiming for and how you know we can improve Um, This year, I think for everyone who works in comms, um, there's been a a sort of seismic shift in terms of what businesses are focusing on. And so for us as a team, our focus, you know, really has um, shifted towards internal comms. um, And there's a much bigger, I think, focus by a lot of businesses and also agencies as well um, in terms of how they communicate um, with their teams. And I guess, um, especially for, I guess, you know, for, for, for us, where everyone's been working remotely, it's become sort of ever more challenging. Um, and so with that, it just really means the fact that 
we've had to think about how we communicate to our people and what we say to them. So whereas previously, we would probably send out all staff notes from our CEO maybe twice a month. Um, At the start of the pandemic, we were sending out daily comms from our CEO and we were hosting um, virtual staffs on a weekly basis. I mean, it's dropped down to three times a week. But just to give you an insight into sort of what, what we would do, it was everything from giving all of the latest news updates, both from the UK and internationally, just because we we realised as a team that there was so much news out there that we had to condense it down for our staff. Um, sort of helpful tips on how to rem- uh, remotely work successfully, um, guidance and support. So we have mental health ambassadors. So all of those resources highlighting those, but then also sharing all the amazing content that we have across our brand. So whether it was recipes from Good Housekeeping or Delish to uh, beauty tips from Elle to workouts from Men's Health and Women's Health. So so that really has been a massive focus um, for us as a business. And my understanding across the whole industry, um, there's definitely been a lot more investment and focus on internal comms as well as the sort of day-to-day external comms that we do with our audiences and clients so i mean that shift i mean you were you were talking about data i mean unpicking all that data you know when you've got such a broad portfolio of activity which is i'm assuming quite complex and just thinking then about you know the audiences and how you then use the audiences especially in these times um, how you use that data to then target audiences whose patterns of consumption are changing. How do you use your data to kind of define where you best position the content? Sure. So so for us, I mean, I, I guess Hearst UK as a business has invested heavily um, in data and, you know, we, we regularly use insights and data to inform our editorial decisions. So um, with the sort of the start of the pandemic, we definitely use data and insights from our audiences to inform and drive our content. And we can see that through search. So we kind of know the conversations that our audiences are having. And so we can then tailor content to to suit those audiences. So if there's a greater search for fitness workouts, then we can create more of that. You know, if if there's a search for how to give yourself um, a DIY haircut or, you know, how to shop um, for luxury fashion online, you know, which which are the sort of the the best places to go to, then our, our sort of content really will sort of reflect those conversations that people um, people are having. And I guess what sort of one of our sort of key things is that we always look to super serve our consumers. And so I think um, the reason why we've done particularly well, and if you look at what's happened this year for us as a business, we've seen an increase of up to 200% in subscriptions. So that's, I guess, really showing how our audiences are valuing our trusted brands and probably not surprised 
surprisingly, I guess, in a period of negativity, um, we have always positioned ourselves um, as a business, as a beacon of positivity. And so what was, I guess, really um, lovely to see from our audiences is the people were leaning in to our content and to our publications and really engaging with us so that they, you know, they could get a bit of positivity and the whole sort of myths of, of negativity out there. Um, but we've, I mean, we've done lots of different things, you know, virtual uh, workouts. We, we actually had at the start of the pandemic um, an event that was supposed to take place, which is Women's Health Live. And we had to shift it in a matter of weeks to a virtual event. We're shifting our events for Harper's Bazaar, which um, are coming up next week for um, um, the Bazaar Summit at work. And we've been able to successfully, as a business, navigate that, that sort of whole shift from meeting in person to offering a premium experience online quite successfully. So still giving our audiences that luxury premium feel, but, but using technology um, and creating an experience that still feels very premium and very luxury for our audiences. So I'd say as a business, we've, we've kind of innovated really well. Right. I mean, how do you translate that luxury feel through a digital um through a digital portal because it's not the you know it's not the same as holding a magazine um which is um tangible you're looking at something on a screen which is often sometimes difficult yeah i mean i i guess it's it's just through i it's through the content that we produce i mean whether it's it's a magazine and as a business, we've um, we've you know massively invested in making sure. So, if you look at Esquire, we um, created um, you know we we kind of shifted the brand, so we created an even more premium experience than previously, and that was everything from the sort of feel of the paper, the sort of layout, etc. And I guess whether you're consuming um, our publications online or whether you're physically holding a magazine or whether you're attending an event that kind of always carries through um, and you know if you look if you look at I guess how our audiences have engaged with us you know our, our digital traffic has, has kind of gone through the roof it shows that there is a real appetite um, for what we produce and I, I you know I guess you have to think about how the consumer has evolved um, you think about how they consume their media uh, nowadays, and it's across multiple platforms. So it's via social media. So our, our social media channels, again, have sort of content and that sort of luxury premium feel to our magazines, to our, our online sites and our, our virtual experiences. Um, so that, you know, there, there is a consistency across the sort of all the different touch points that our audiences get to enjoy us through. Mm. And I mean, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because you think about where we were a year ago, um, you know, you'd pop into the shop and you'd buy a magazine, then you couldn't pop into a shop to buy anything. Um, so the, there was this reliance on this, on, on the content that you, us, that you guys produce. How do you kind of generate um, the communications or the stories around the content when there's so much restriction out there? Because that is that a challenge, or is that something that is actually much easier? Because 
um, there's so much more to talk about, whether good or bad. No, I mean, it, it, to be honest, I, you know, our role hasn't really changed in terms of our brands have been producing content throughout lock, uh, lockdown. So there has been a wealth of content out there. I mean, obviously, we were impacted by travel retail. But don't forget, our brands are available in supermarkets. They were available in local shops, which were still open. So even though travel retail was impacted, I guess in terms of physically purchasing our magazines, people were still able to buy them and to buy them as a sort of luxury item that, that you know, they they wanted to have, which is probably why we've, we've um, done so well. To be honest, I think we've just had a whole wealth of content. I mean, I think what's been great for us as a comms team in particular is the wealth of content. I mean, everything from um, LU creating digital covers which celebrated the frontline workers that were behind the front line so supermarket workers the bus drivers um you know the the, the you know the delivery uh, people so all of these amazing women who were providing essential services we featured them through digital covers on L um and and you know we were kind of ahead of the game before other publications decided to do that. So actually this time has really, I guess, stimulated some of the stuff that we've created and, and the brands across the whole range, whether it's country living, turning their amazing sort of, um, previously they held country living fairs and like amazing stately homes, but bringing that online and supporting local artisans to the Women's Health Live um, experience that I mentioned. There's just been a whole host of things that we've been able to do creatively as teams um, across all of our brands, which has actually been amazing to see and, and great for us as a comms team to really sort of shout about. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that is also, that's also interesting because it's, it's a slight shift, isn't it? Um, you know, whereas the, these women that you are um, um, celebrating, their roles are, you know, they've never been less important and being able to put that into the public eye in a way that you perhaps wouldn't have before is quite it's a powerful message to be sending, isn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's the right time to do it. I mean, I think the other thing that's happened this year is not only COVID-19, but um, Black Lives Matter. And I think there's definitely been a shift in terms of social conscience. And um, that has really, um, I would say both sort of, both of those um, events this year have really helped shape some of our content um, and what we put out there uh, for what our audiences want. They want to see from us as brands, um, you know, making sure that we kind of, um, I guess, recognize, you know, everything that has been going on. And I guess if you think about people, people have become, I guess, more um, engaged, uh, more politically aware, um, have been able to have a greater social conscience more so than ever sort of previously and so I guess our content has really just reflected what we know our audiences are sort of feeling uh, during this period. I mean these are critical events 
you know, that have kind of happened over the year. Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, um, the ongoing dispute about an election result in America. I mean, these, you know, fundamental um, kind of occurrences that are impacting all our lives. And then I wonder how important then is luxury? <laughs> yes, I mean, it's extremely important. I mean, if, if you look at our brands, if you look at how well our brands have done, yes, there's, you know, the fact that they're trusted brands, but, but it's the fact that, you know, they deliver the luxury content that our audiences still want to see. I mean, there, you know, there has always been a place for luxury and, you know, moving forwards, there will continue to be a, a, a place for luxury. Um, and I guess what we do is we take what people want to see from the world of, of luxury and and share it with our with our audiences across those sort of various um you know platforms that that we're able to do so. Um, and I guess the key thing for us has been as well is obviously our biggest clients are, are luxury brands and throughout this pandemic they you know they've had challenges as well with when shops were closed etc so we've just really been able to help those luxury brands tell their stories and 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 share their their products with our audiences and actually an, an, another thing that we've seen across our business is is the growth of e-commerce so um I, I saw a figure the other day of, of over 300% um, on sort of e-commerce. And, and that's the thing. People still want and will always desire luxury items. And I guess what we've been able to do very successfully across our brands is help our clients um, deliver those products to our audiences. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, again, a, a, it's a, it's a, I suppose it's a crucial service, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, even though we don't need anything, um, those services are really important because, uh, you know, it gets you um, into a, a place of, I suppose, a possible security because, you know, these things are still happening. You can still do things. You can still, you know, you're not completely isolated. I mean, is that, you know, it's a slightly odd thing, isn't it? Because you're living these luxury lifestyles through things that are presented in a very different way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but but that's the thing. I mean, like, our role um, as brands is is to serve serve our audiences' needs, and um, there's an appetite for luxury, and so we're there to sort of deliver it across all of our different formats and and sort of lots of different and beautiful and engaging ways. And it's you know it's obviously resonating with our audiences. Yeah. So a practical question, if I may. <laughs> when you, in the lifestyle magazines, for example, where you couldn't do a shoot um, and you couldn't, you know, create these environments um, that you would have been able to do before to kind of construct this, you know, this luxury environment, how did you tackle that? 
So, so when we were allowed to do so, we obviously followed all of the government guidelines and, and were able to do um, shoots socially distanced and compliant with all of the government regulations. But when we were in the heart of lockdown, um, we actually launched something called the Hearst Influence Network, which was where we were able to tap into the influencers within our business. So a lot of our, our, our sort of um, people within our business are influencers in their own right but a whole sort of um, breadth of videographers and photographers etc who were able to create content within their homes to sort of serve those needs so so we very quickly were able to offer that service to clients so that we could still get branded content for them um you know but a really interesting story is um the cover that we did with Ashley Graham for Harper's Bazaar she was actually based in Alaska and she was our cover star and so what we did was we set up a remote shoot so she did her own makeup we obviously had you know our team sort of guiding her through zoom her husband who happens to be a videographer became the photographer and shot our cover for us you know our, our sort of um, fashion director helped style her again through zoom so we just had to get a lot more creative and you know that that's kind of I guess been the beauty of this period um, the teams have just been able to find sort of innovative and more creative ways to still deliver that premium product to our audiences and kind of working within the confinement of, of the times that we're living in. That's amazing isn't it I mean to think that you can you know in the past you'd have I don't know runners and um, makeup artists hair you know everybody on set to kind of construct something and you've been able to do something amazing, you know, via, via Zoom or on, on the phone or, you know, however you may, you may do it. And I think that just shows the, the creative potential of, you know, having or having been forced to do things very differently. I mean, I, I would say our, our brands have always had an amazing access. I mean, I think what was beautiful in, in terms of the Ashley Graham shoot was, was the story behind how it was created. So whereas previously she might have come into the studio and been shot by, you know, a whole team, I think, you know, her mother was there and, and was helping to style her and her husband was the photographer. And so that's a kind of nice story in itself you know the fact that sort of um people have just found more creative ways to to create content thinking about content more and more luxury brands are using avatars uh to to advertise their products so they kind of generating their own models in effect using you know cads using software i was just wondering if you had a thought about kind of that and what that kind of says about where we are in the world of communication and marketing? Um, well, it's not something that we've done. I mean, I, I guess if you look at our publications and and I guess what, what we do, um, you know, we are still very much using um, sort of beautiful locations. So whether it's town and country um, and, and using uh, models um, across the whole spectrum. I mean, I guess for us, our, our, 
I wouldn't say shift, but our journey throughout this year has just been to bring greater diversity. And I guess that's something that um, we as a business, um, we, you know, we've, we've, We've been championing uh, diversity since 2017. We set up a sort of uh, diversity and inclusion um, steering committee. Um, we do a lot internally. So I guess what we've been trying to do is, and especially throughout this year, as it becomes more of a topic of, of, of conversation, is just making sure that our content is reflective of the society that we live in um so that's kind of where our main focus has been mm. i'm interested I mean, the diversity thing's interesting because i i recall reading an interview with you where you said there are not many black women in pr and marketing or pr and comms at the kind of top level we've got you know these amazing kind of um, um champions of diversity how do we um, address that and kind of encourage the, the diversity input into the senior roles where, you know, there's much more of a contribution as you are making? How do we do that? So, I mean, I guess it depends from business to business. So I think uh, businesses, brands across the whole spectrum need to start looking internally at what they can do um, themselves and I guess really push themselves to challenge themselves. I mean, the way that we are doing it as a business is if you look at our covers, um, you know, we, we've, we've had Letitia Wright, um, we had Stormzy on the cover of Elle, we had Jonathan Van Ness on the cover of, of Cos. Mo, um, we've had Rihanna, we've had Beyonce. I mean, we, we've we've literally had, um, I guess, a, a whole sort of um, spectrum to reflect the diverse society that we live in. So we can do that through our covers. We can do that through our content. So producing content that resonates and speaks to a broader audience. But I guess, you know, the, the, the key thing, again, is um, within my industry, so the sort of publishing within luxury, within the sort of PR and comms industry, I guess it's really making that sort of um, commitment to making sure that you're bringing in a diverse range of people that can help um, steer businesses to create and have those diverse uh, conversations um, and you know I know as a business that Hearst UK has been looking into the recruitment so you know making sure that we have a, a sort of diverse spectrum of candidates um, for, for roles I mean there's there's lots of things that different businesses and brands can proactively do and you know, within luxury, I, you know, I, I know that throughout this whole time of BLM, people have obviously sort of looked at, you know, various brands and industries to, to talk about representation. And, um, you know, I think people are, are, are starting to take it on board, but it, it, you know, it's definitely by taking proactive steps so, so making sure that if you make a commitment, it's not just posting a black square, it's making sure that you have something to follow through um, and back it up with. Um, and, you know, what it might look like for our business is, is different to what it might look like 
for another business. But I think, you know, the, the key thing that has come out of this is that audiences are demanding change. So they want to see it. So, you know, if, if, if I'm buying a product, I want to see ads that are more reflective and, you know, with me as a black female and I think that's across the whole sort of spectrum of society people want to feel included in the conversation but then also as a business you know it's been proven the more diverse your workforce is actually the more creative um, and relevant and productive you are as a business so you know I, I, I kind of think you know it's it's an opportunity for businesses and brands to kind of take up the challenge and move forward. Do you think it's odd then, considering, you know, that it, it, it's obvious well, to us that creativity is generated through diversity, do you not then think it's odd that we have to kind of do all this? Because it should just be natural. It should just happen organically. But it hasn't. So um, I think what this has done has brought the conversation to the forefront again. And um, I think because of the strength of the desire to move things on, it has, you know, it has steered brands and businesses to make a change that they may not have thought to do or wanted to do previously. So whether voluntarily or not, it, it's simply a conversation that you you simply can't ignore um, in today's society because it, it's such an ongoing conversation. So the fact that it you know it may not have been there um, previously um, to me kind of makes it seem as though this is you know a great opportunity for for businesses and brands to move forward yeah absolutely i couldn't agree with you more um a slightly different topic sustainability as all the other things we've spoken about are really pertinent questions everybody's talking about it and i was just wondering what your view on sustainability is your personal view about you and how you live but also then about your view on sustainability and luxury well, I can talk about what Hearst UK has done as a business because obviously, you know, we work within that sector. So, so we actually made um, a commitment um, to uh, get, get what is, I guess, it's like the gold standard environmental business management. And we got something called the ISO 14001 certification, which basically was um, a way to sort of give us targets about how we acted as a business um, and so that's something that we've committed to as a business like you know I, I think it's rightly so um, but then if you look at the content within our brands I mean a couple of years ago Elle did a whole issue which was a sustainability issue um, and that was kind of pretty groundbreaking at the time um, but if you look at our content sustainability actually feeds across everything um, that we do as a business and um, our brands whether it's it's country living or Harper's Bazaar or Elle um, you'll see within the content that sustainability really is um, part of the conversation so whether it's sustainable fashion or 
or travel or whatever it is, um, it's an ongoing conversation. I mean, on a personal level, what I think has been great for me is um, I've become more educated um, just purely through, I guess, um, reading and learning through, you know, the content that we produce and also, you know, just, you know, I guess the way the world has changed where, you know, we, we have to become um, more, I guess, more conscious about how and how we live and, and what we do and the repercussions of our, our actions. So, um, you know, I have tried to, and, and that's the thing, I think it on a personal level, there are sort of different degrees, but it's, it's what you try and do to play your part. Um, but I think that the great thing is, is giving visibility because sometimes it's not the fact that people don't want to be sustainable, but sometimes they're challenged because they don't know how. So what I think is great is when um, brands like ours are able to offer resources or or you know a fashion brand so um you know fashion brands that maybe might offer um you know an ethically sourced garment or something i i just think that's important for the industry as a whole mm. yeah and we're seeing many more um companies kind of engaging in re whether it's recycling um materials for clothing or for furnishings or things like that that there's been a big, um, there's been a surge in people kind of, what's it, mend and make do. And I'm sure, I mean, that, you know, you were talking about a DIY haircut. That's not dissimilar. <laughs> you know, that's a sustainable option, isn't it? You do it yourself um, rather than having to go out. It, I mean, it's it's lots of things. I mean, I you know, I guess if, um, and, you know, having conversations with um some of my colleagues who work within fashion, if you think about luxury, it's not buying lots of things. It's about maybe investing in a good piece. And um, actually, um, you know, for me on a personal level, that's something that my mum did from a sort of very early age. She would invest in products um you know that would last her the test of time I mean we're, we're always having a sort of battle and conversation like I I had to buy an, a new bed because I'd I bought a bed that was great it was from Ikea so it, it hasn't lasted and my mum was saying well I bought a bed and it's lasted me 20 years because I invested in it and she's right, you know, the, the things that my mum has, whether it's it's clothes or furniture or anything else, she's invested in and they've stood the test of time. So there is, you know, a, an argument to investing in luxury um, so that you don't have to buy as frequently. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing and nobody can obviously see us, but I'm laughing because I'm thinking mothers are always right, aren't they? <laughs> They, I mean, they really are. She, I mean, she's, she's been waxing lyrical for, for years and she really does have, um, you know, she has items of clothing that she invested in that are still there. I mean, it, that's the thing. Um, and, you know, that, that says something that, 
that you know it's not something that you'll wear a few times and then dispose of you're investing in it so that it you know it can stay with you and I you know I think that's lovely and even things that my mom used to own that she would then hand down to me as well yeah no I, I, my mother's it sounds it sounds like my our, um, our mothers would get on very well I mean, my mother's got things in the cupboard that she's got for 40 years that she's never used, thinking, oh, no, but one day I will use this. <laughs> so um, just before we wrap up, travel is about connectivity, isn't it? Being connected um, in person is becoming a luxury, and that travel to, I don't know, visit friends or family or see new places, that's all about connectivity. And I was just wondering what your view is on that. In, in terms of how we stay connected? Well, I yeah. mean... Yeah, I mean, as a business, like I said, you know, you ask any comms professional this year, the biggest shift in terms of their priority, they'll say internal comms. And, you know, for us, it was through the daily notes that went out from our CEO through the virtual staffs where our CEO would interview different people from various parts of the business and sort of give an insight into what they were doing and how they were navigating this period. And, you know, we've, we've had fantastic feedback from, from our, our teams and our people that, that work within the business just to say how important and vital that's been um we're speaking a lot more i mean i could definitely do with a lot less uh microsoft teams calls or zoom meetings because you know it it, it sometimes feels like a lot but we managed to you know stay connected i mean just on my team we have regular one-to-one so i have regular regular one-to-ones with my teams. We have various team meetings throughout the week. We also have, and and this is what I think is really important during this time, especially if, if you're within a working environment, we have a couple of tea breaks a week, which is where we discuss what we're watching or we're all quite into fitness. So um, what our fitness workouts are or or what we're going to make or when we were allowed to go to restaurants, you know, where we were going and, and stuff like that. And I think it's just really important to have that social interaction as we become more restricted and more remote um, and just kind of make sure that we're still communicating I mean I guess the the joy of it is is that we're living in a time where we are fortunate to have technology that enables us to do this um you know if 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 this was in another period of time I I think we would see um and I know it is challenging but I think we would find people be even more isolated than they're feeling now so I guess the positive side is is that we're living in a time where we have technology so that I can you know even if I can't physically see my mum I can video call her and and it doesn't replace human touch and human interaction but it's still something kind of that connectivity is our luxury being connected Absolutely. But but also, you know, things like, I mean, I was fortunate enough that I was able to travel. And, and so I've been to Italy and it was a luxury and I appreciated it just as 
I've been able to appreciate socially distancing um, and seeing sort of loved ones as well. It's, you know, it's, I guess it's appreciating um, the important things in life. That's sort of, I guess, been the biggest impact on me. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it, how things have changed. Um, just the way we see things, the way we appreciate things, how we understand and learn. I mean, it's been, it's been, it has been an odd, but kind of somewhat um, learning journey that we've all been on, I think. It's almost like we're relearning social skills. Yeah. Relearning. Yeah. And, and, and I am, you know, I am by no means a fan of lockdown, but what I think it was able to do, um, it was, people were able to reset. You saw nature resetting. You know, I live in East London and the air was cleaner. Um, I live near a canal and, and, and the water was cleaner. Nature was sort of really thriving throughout the first lockdown. But then I was just having better conversations with people. Um, on that note, I'd like to thank you very much for your time. I appreciate, as I said, times are busy. Um, but this has been fascinating. It's been a fantastic conversation. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, and thank you very much, Effie Kanua, Director of PR and Comms at Hearst UK. And thanks to our partners, Intellect Books. And thank you for listening. Join us next time on the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. <laughs>